This week, we talk about James Porter and theory. Welcome to TPC Newbie. Greetings to all my technical and professional ghost ghouls and witches out there. My name is Emily Kuzner. Welcome to another episode of TPC Newbie. Guess what? I have yet to drop out of graduate school. Hells yeah. It's like, I'm going to be honest. Lately, I've been telling people, God, you know what? Getting your master's is harder than I thought. This is what's stupid. You're going to laugh at me and I will hopefully laugh at myself later in life. This is the third or fourth week of my first master's class. I don't know what I thought. I guess I didn't realize how much reading it was going to be. I didn't realize how much reflection it was going to be. I, maybe I'm lazy. I, I don't know. You know what I think it is though? I think it's that I've been out of college for a long time and I just kind of forgot. Um, I had an art professor once when I was getting my undergraduate and he once said that when you start anything new, you need to condition yourself into being able to sit for a long time. So what this man did is he assigned us to make a very large, I don't remember the exact dimensions, but a very large uh, photo of ourselves or image of ourselves using hole punched um, colors. Oh my gosh, you guys, I got to tell you, it was painful. But by the end, he was absolutely right. I could sit there for days and work on that. So I think each week I've gotten a little bit better at saying like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can sit here and read, you know, 40 pages on rhetorical theory. Well, that's an over-exaggeration this week. But let's get into this week, shall we? So this week we read, How Can Rhetorical Theory Inform the Practice of Technical Communication by James E. Porter? Now that's amongst a lot of other stuff we read, but I, I found this the, the most exciting, right, for me. And the reason I found this the most exciting is I absolutely love theory, okay? I am like a theory junkie. If there's one thing in my life I think I'm great at, it's theorizing, right? Asking, could we do it differently? Is there a different way to, to think about this? Um, are we not thinking about this the right way? In meetings, I'm often the person sitting there going, is there a different way we could approach this? Is there a different angle? Thinking outside the bots, the theorizing a different way we could even view this. And that is why I have always been a more creative thinker than the average person. I'm a very creative person naturally. Um, I'm really good with design. I'm good with video. I think in terms of, I, I don't know, I just seem to notice things that other people don't. I'm very observational. And I think that lends really a lot to theory because we, as more creatives, we we like to think of different scenarios. I like to think of things in terms of scenarios, right? In this scenario, this would happen. In that scenario, that would happen. That's just the approach that I take to thinking. And I believe that is essentially, I just sit and theorize all day long. So I'm like a miniature Buddha. Um, so Porter says that in technical communication, theory is often portrayed as counter to practice, and the theory-practice debate, which is uh, C. Sullivan and Porter, 1993, page 221, is one that the field frequently engages in. 
The debate pops up repeatedly in technical communication, but he says he is on the end of Team Theory. James Porter wearing a Team Theory shirt, all about that theory life. Theory in the practice is seen as a time suck. I don't know if I could ever think of theory as a time suck or a waste of time. I attribute theorizing to brainstorming. I think brainstorming is key to getting anything done. I am the biggest user of brainstorming at work. I will sometimes fill entire whiteboards with brainstorming ideas and then encourage my coworkers to go fill in the blanks. What do they not see there? What am I missing? You know, the cool thing about theory is we all think differently, right? And I know that is such a simple concept, but we will always approach problems. Well, not always, but we tend to approach problems differently or scenarios or situations differently because we all have different perspectives. I grew up a certain way with certain beliefs. I, as a person, tend to be a bit more rebellious with uh, with rules. I follow rules, but I will push them a little bit when I think they are interfering with efficiency. Other individuals, for example, would never bump against the rules. They wouldn't even get near the, the rule limits because the thought of that is too scary. And when we think about just those two scenarios, right, people who are more rebellious and not rebellious, they're going to approach problems totally different. The person who is rebellious is going to push the envelope. They are going to want to try something totally from left field. They're going to have this whole other idea that's going to be wild and crazy. Whereas someone who's more of a stick to what they know, stay on the path, don't cross the road without looking. I mean, not that I've crossed the road without looking, but let's be real, I probably have. Like I've probably played in traffic a few times. But there will be two processes of thought that are going to go into solving this problem based on these individuals' ideal principles of living. I think theory is interesting when you do it in a group, when you're doing it in sort of a brainstorming problem-solving situation, and you're using different people's narratives to help get to an end result that's successful. And a lot of times, I find that when you do theory in a group setting, it is extremely successful because one individual's pros and one individual's cons may actually work together to fuel a positive, right? So a pro-con equals a positive. So going back to Porter, he cites Jonathan Collins' 1997 work, What is Theory? In Literary Theory, a Very Short Introduction. He cites page 14, where Cullen describes theory, uh, saying it has several distinctive characteristics. Theory, as Cullen says, is interdisciplinary. Theory is analytical and speculative. Theory is a critique of common sense. Whoa, we are going to talk about that one. And theory is reflexive. All right, let's go back to it. Number three. Theory is a critique of common sense. God damn! That reads like beautiful poetry, am I right? I absolutely love that he says this because that's exactly what it does. Someone might say, and I'm sure you've heard this at work, when you're like, why do we do this? Because we've always done it that way. 
right? It's the common sense of your organization, your training, your manual, your procedure, you name it. Some asshole work is said because that's the way we do it. Man, forget the way you do it. Let's talk about criticizing this theory of normalcy, criticizing common sense, critiquing it. That's what Colin's talking about. And I love that. And as technical communicators, it's our job to say, if something isn't working, we need to critique it. If we're producing something new, we need to critique it. Sometimes the common sense of an organization is to say, well, we always train our employees this way. Well, we always communicate to our target audience that way. But is it working? No, it maybe isn't. I know one of the biggest issues that I see in my organization and with literally every organization I've ever worked for is training. Because so many organizations will tell you, We always train our employees this way. We train every employee this way. But the common sense in this matter is they train their employees this way. The issue is their employees do not feel like they are successfully trained. So we must then critique the common sense that our employer or organization is producing. And you can apply this to anything that you do in your job, right? You can take anything that someone at work tells you, this is the way we do it. This is the way it's always been done and disrupt that way of thinking. Because most of the time you hear people say this all the time. My work does the dumbest things. My work makes the worst decisions. My work, this, my work, that. Because the common sense that is their procedures is wrong and it needs critiquing. And I just absolutely, I am just dripping in enthusiasm for how exciting the idea of critiquing common sense is, okay? Critiquing what we just accept as commonplace knowledge and saying it doesn't have to be so. It shouldn't be so. Or maybe We've developed technology and tools that don't make it so anymore. And that is what I love this week about James Porter and about this reading. And I tell you what, if it's been a while since you've thought about that, refresh yourselves because you need to remember that what you've accepted as common sense in your organization deserves critiquing. Do you truly believe what you have been led to believe? And will it make you a better professional or a better technical communicator not accepting everything as truth? Furthermore, do you believe as a technical communication professional that your job does not require you to critique common sense. Because I will tell you from my experience, I am constantly critiquing what my organization has deemed as common sense, what they have deemed as appropriate ways to communicate, what they have deemed as appropriate ways to design, what they have deemed as appropriate ways to write web content. The common sense that they've applied to a lot of these things, I have shown up and said, wrong! wrong. It's like a damn Trump tweet. And at the end I wrote sad. 
all capital letters, exclamation point, to a lot of the common sense practices they were doing. Now, I want to apologize because I have yelled into my microphone like a damn crazy person here, but I'm serious. I think that the one key thing, and I feel bad because this is all about James Porter this week, and I keep talking about Cullen, but I just love that so much, and I think that's something we always have to remember, right, is to be disruptive, to say to ourselves that we need to have the courage, albeit the valuing of ourselves in our profession, right? You need to value yourself as a professional. And as a professional technical communicator, you need to have the courage to say to your organization or employer, there is a better way to do this. There is a better process. There is a better form of communication. There is better training, better web tools, better content writing, better ways of tracking, better ways of showing analytics, better, right? That critiquing of common sense can only make us better and it can only make you better as a professional because you bring the knowledge to assess things differently and make things more efficient, effective, and successful for your employer. And that is what a good technical communicator should do, at least in my opinion. And that's what I'm going to do as I learn more about this and keep applying my knowledge of technical communication and my current practice of technical communication to my field of marketing and web. All right, guys, that was, phew, that was a lot. I am mentally exhausted. I would be physically exhausted, but I'm literally sitting while I do this. So there's no way I can become physically exhausted. Um, I guess just from yelling. So as Porter goes on in his uh, chapter here, he talks about how technical communicators use theory. Uh, he talks about research studies where people use different methodologies, different ways of testing to kind of break from their normal thesis or thought patterns. So they might propose for their research paper that they're going to do one thing, but they broaden and bring in different um, methods of performing these studies, and they're able to produce different uh, results, right? So if we just go into something and we just use quantitative data, we might get some great information, but we should also have some qualitative data. I am so into qualitative data, and I think that's the marketing person in me. And we actually read in one of our books, uh, we're reading Research Primary Technical Communication, and in one of them, it, I believe it says that marketing people tend to use a lot of qualitative data. And that is 100% true in my area, right? So as a marketing and web person, I am always trying to say, why? Why do people think this way? I see my analytics and I see that, oh, this is happening and then that's happening and here's the way they're forming this web path and all these great things and the funnels and all that good stuff. But I'm asking, why did they think that? Why did they answer the survey that way? Why, 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 why? So if you ever get a survey from me, it's going to ask you a question and it's going to ask you to explain it. So um, 
So that's just another thing to keep in mind as you're doing research. Maybe we're working in the same job for 10 years and we do the same survey every year and we get the same data and we're just kind of saying, what is what does 1718 look like compared to 1819? And that's great. But remember we talked about critiquing common sense. Well, maybe it's common sense that we do the survey that way. But maybe our common sense needs a little kick in the ass, right? Maybe we need to say, we are doing it this way, but what if we added in a little bit of extra pizzazz? Like a recipe, right? You make something and you're like, this is good, but it could use a little bit of heat. Okay? So it's that little bit of something extra. And I really think that's what Porter's talking about when he is reflecting on these different studies and saying how they really critique that common sense aspect or their approach and added different elements of their methods. So they may have done a survey, but they included both, they were hunting for both qualitative and quantitative data to help them better explain answers that they were given. Uh, so I just think this is really important, right? It's really profound and it's really something that we can easily incorporate into our lives today as professionals is to take that information and say, I'm going to do this, this research study or this survey or uh, this data mining, but this time I'm going to change it up just a little bit to see if I can expose something new. And that little shift in what you think of as the common sense of your organization could be the gateway to some successful findings in your career, right? It could be the gateway to solving a major problem in your profession. Uh, so theory is um, probably the greatest thing in the whole world. Uh, I'm a fan. If I ever get a tattoo, it's just going to say theory, probably on my face because I'm classy like that. Um, let's wrap it up, shall we? This has been another Hella good week here at TPC Newbie. I'm your host, Emily Kuzner. You can tweet at me at EmilyTPC on Twitter. That is E-M-I-L-Y-T-P-C on Twitter. Guys, tweet at me. Tell me what you're doing to disrupt common sense in your organization. Tell me what you're doing to approach theory like a rebel. That's right. All right, guys. This has been another awesome week. Thanks for listening. Have a hell of a week, and I'll see you later. <laughs>